space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome back to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we're here to bring you the latest episode in the Temporal Cold War. Well, I say the latest, the latest for us. And also the actual latest episode of Lower Decks. Before we do that, though, we had quite a big, big week for Star Trek content with um, Star Trek Day, the virtual convention going on. And I've managed to watch most of the panels, I think. I think I've not watched the original series one yet, but... I watched all the ones that uh, have sort of news on the upcoming shows. So there's a few little sort of bits and bobs we want to share with that one. What did? Yeah, what... there was there wasn't massive of actual news on it, was there? No, not an enormous amount, but there was... it wasn't actually the easiest thing to even see if you wanted to. <laughs> no, I just got. Like, in... I, I watched them on YouTube, and if you missed some of them on the when they came out, they'd be taken down sort of in a few hours. I just got an email today, though, from uh, just like the Star Trek dot com newsletter. Um, that's got links to them all, so I think they've they've made them available now. Uh, right, but, but that's nearly a week after the fact. So yeah, yeah, yeah it was very strange that you do a Star Trek. I, I'm getting a bit annoyed with CBS because Lower Decks is only available in American Canada properly. Yeah, Star Trek Day was only available in America and Canada. Yeah, that's a shame, especially... It's so, it's like, when you look at, like, DC did their DC fans, fans up zone, fandom. Yeah. And it was worldwide. And it's, same with San Diego Comic Con and... Yeah, it's like, why couldn't they work out to do something like that? It's... Yeah, I it, don't know, it's a shame. It's going back to very much an old school of American air TV, where yeah. they looked at, like, how their programmes were doing on their channels... And judge that for the ratings instead of looking at the worldwide. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd be willing to put money on that. The viewing figures worldwide are much bigger than just America. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, it's a shame it wasn't more widely distributed. But I think you can get most of it on um, YouTube now. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, the takeaways from it, the big thing was obviously the Discovery trailer. Um, which was really cool. I enjoyed the trailer. It looks like they're really sort of leaning into a more optimistic take on it all. And it, it almost felt like there's a bit in the trailer where Michael starts laughing uh, when she sees that there's life signs on the planet. And that almost feels to me like it's directly addressing this thing that people have that she cries too much. I think it's maybe also... <laughs> Uh, I think that might be literally one of the first scenes of Discovery Season 3. I would imagine when she it first, is. When she first arrives in the future, because, like, Control had uh, killed everyone, hadn't they, supposedly? Yeah, exactly. And they're stopping that, so she's got to the future, and there's life signs, so it means that they've been successful. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I took it as um, she's worried that she's crash-landed on a planet away from the crew, but, yeah, I think you're right. It's that the galaxy's not being wiped out. Yeah, I think it was sort of like that she's done it, she's saved every that the galaxy's been saved. Yeah, I think you're right. And speaking of the galaxy, they've 
revealed this thing called the Burn. And that's what's happened to the galaxy. That's why the Federation's not as big as it was. And yeah. Yeah, that was strange, wasn't it? And sort of, they've not been attacked, but something has sort of sideswiped them and broke yeah. them apart. And like they, they, in the interviews and everything, they were quite clear because people said, well, is it, is it carrying on from Picard? And is it, you know, the Federation implodes because of... Uh, them going off the rails and everything, and they were quite clear that that's not the case. The Federation was still strong and it was still standing by its ideals, but something external's happened, and that's what's left it where it is. So I- I'm sure that'll be a big thing in the season, and obviously we're not going to get any answers to it right now. Yeah, uh, it's a funny one, isn't it, when they're saying that they've not been attacked... But something's sort of destroyed the Federation or fractured it. Yeah, I'm thinking if it's the burn, it's maybe it's it, it's like a natural disaster, like everything goes supernova or something, or yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I yeah, it's got... an intriguing one, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's going to be one of the the big things that we've got to find out about this season. I also thought that that new character Booker that they've introduced. And this is, I'm not slagging off Shazad Latif or the character of Ash or anything, but him and Michael seem to have a lot more chemistry than Ash and Michael did. And that's yeah. just going from the teaser. So I'm still wondering how Calypso's going to fit into it all, like Discovery yeah. waits for a thousand years for uh, a group. Yeah, exactly. That's got to come in at some point. But whether it will this season even, I don't know. Um, But, yeah, all stuff to look forward to. Uh, Discovery is going to be on Netflix one day after it's on CBS, same as previous seasons, which is good. Yeah, I didn't think there was any doubt in that, but it's good to have it officially confirmed. But, but yeah, when when you see the the haters on YouTube and all that and spouting constantly... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's nice to just have these things confirmed properly. Oh, yeah. been cancelled from Netflix. Netflix has it. It's on Netflix in 190 countries. <laughs> so yeah, that's good news. As I say, we still don't know what's happening with Lower Decks, uh, but we do know that Q is going to be on Lower Decks. Yeah, I was actually uh, quite annoyed at this. Yeah, I was. Like, like, it's like, no, this is too much of a spoiler. Yeah, that's it. I'm not annoyed that Q's going to be on Lower Decks. I think that's yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm annoyed but... that it was spoiled for me. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't just like... It, they mentioned it, so if you'd have missed the panel, you could have missed it, but then all of the news outlets picked it up. And it, exactly. it's clearly, you know, being they've given the game away. So I'm hoping maybe the episode will be called Q something, you know, like the TNG episodes used to be, so that it, you know, it would have been impossible to avoid it. But if it's just a quick cameo that he appears in, then yeah, they've they've ruined a surprise there, which is a shame. And the episode that we're going to talk about this week, they mentioned Q in it, and I thought, oh, right, well, this is where we're going to see him then, but it's obviously going to be later in the season. But yeah, I think that was it really for the the big news. Um, also, Discovery got a new logo, um, 
which is a little bit more sleek, a little bit, little bit less like the original series logo. And they yeah, said, I quite like the new, the new logo. Yeah, they said that's deliberate because now they're in the future, so the it, it don't make sense for it to look like the TOS font. So yeah, yeah quite happy, happy with that. that. Yeah, and, you know, it's only a few weeks away now, is Discovery, so we're looking forward to that one, but... Yeah, what are we, about four weeks? Well, we, yeah, we've got four more Lower Decks, so, yeah, four weeks away. Um, before we get to Lower Decks, though, let's have a look at the next Temporal Cold War, Azati Prime from Season 3 of Enterprise. We've jumped over yeah, Cap right. in the street because we covered that earlier. Now... Yeah. A, a bit of a bone to um, pick with Cap in the street because we watched it and we enjoyed it and we said, right, well, you know, let's look at the Temporal Cold War then, so that one were good. And <laughs> as anybody who's been listening yeah, seen, yeah. we haven't been blown away. But I think this one's much better. Yeah, um, I, I think this is better. And not for the Temporal Cold War because it's part of the Zindi arc. And like when I rewatched this, I've since. Uh, like you told me this afternoon, you've watched uh, a couple of others. Yeah, yeah. And it's got me really wanting to watch the Zindiac again because I did enjoy the Zindiac. Yeah, the Zindiac's good and, oh, you know, most of it is. But even on the Temporal Cold War side of things, like, this takes us so much further on than we have been. Like, we find out who one of the factions is, we get a name. Yeah. Like, it's the Sphere Builders, so, okay, it's not an actual species name, but at least we know... Who one of the factions is for definite? We know yeah, what... Yeah, we know that they're coming from another sort of trans-dimension. Yeah. Another dimension. We know... So we know who so they are. So we know where are, they're coming from. Where they're coming from. We know why they're doing it, because what? the Federation defeats yeah. them in 400 years. And we know... Yeah, what... they're not actually time travellers, but they can see the future. Yeah. And we know what their plan is... Because they're, they're getting the Zindi to basically destroy the humans before the Federation's formed. So, for the first time ever in the Temple Cold War, we know what one of the factions is trying to do, how they're going to do it, who they are, and where they come from. And where which, they come from, yeah. Which is, it's brilliant. I mean, it's not the same faction as Future Guy and the Sullivan and everything, but at yeah, least... And, and I'm going to assume it's nothing to do with... Uh... Oh, who did we see with the Tholians? Oh, we, did, we didn't know it. It was just another faction. Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't think we even find out anything else about the Tholians. I think they were just in that one episode and it and it's just vanished. And yeah. About. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get a follow-up on that. But as I said, I think this is better that we sort of know what's going on. So let's have a look at the episode then so it starts straight away with loads of action going on um one thing i noticed straight away as well is the crew just seems so much more weary and it, it's not just like that the ship's a bit more battered and everyone's got a bit of stubble but the acting you can tell that it's taken its toll on them everything that's happened this season so far yeah the, yeah i think the acting is really good in this season i do yeah and yeah, it's the, they look like the inner as the season goes on, they look like they've been through more and more and more trauma. Exactly, yeah, and it's it seems like the actors have really kind of jumped on it now that they've got a bit more sense of purpose with it. Yeah, it, it's like 
this third season, the third season is when Enterprise found its feet and found its own identity. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, the ones we've picked out of season three have been really good. I mean, obviously, we've done Carpenter Street, we did E Squared, uh, which is a couple of episodes further on than this one, and we're going to come back and look at the finale next week. Um, but, yeah, so, the, I mean, the gist of the plot is they know the Zindi weapon's complete, they're going to try and get there to destroy it, and you get this quite cool bit with the Zindi shuttle, um, where, the you know, they're having trouble flying it and... Avery Brooks would have been proud because it's sort of slaloming as it goes round. Yeah. So, so that's quite a quite a cute scene and everything. And you get the bit with Trip and Mayweather where they've got to try and communicate and it's all the Zindi language, so it's all these clicks and everything. Yeah, well, it's insectoids, isn't it? Yeah. So, so, yeah. so you've got Horshi doing her bit, translating everything. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty decent setup. And Archer has to, he, he decides to destroy the facility. And again, it's, it is like Scott Bakula's giving a really good performance because you can tell he's conflicted about all of it. But he's in a position now where he has to do it. You know? It, yeah, it, it's sort of like, yeah, the Zindi are going to wipe out the human race. Yeah. They literally are they're pretty much ready. The, when they killed 7 million people, that was horrific. Yeah. But that was just test. That was a small test weapon. This is gonna go and literally obliterate the earth. Exactly, and you know, Archer's this guy who all his life he's dreamed of doing this mission, and it's all been about wanting to be an explorer and wanting to get out into the galaxy. And he's found himself now in this position where he has to be a killer, basically. And yeah. you can see that in his eyes and in his demeanor. Um, so that we're really getting a lot more depth to Archer than we did in the first two seasons, which I think is really, really good. Yeah, definitely. And this all leads into, you know, it's a suicide mission, basically, to go and destroy it. And Archer makes the point that he's going to do it because he won't send anyone else to the death. Yeah, it's sort of like, I've just, I've just uh, killed three people just to get this shuttle, no problem. Um I had a clone made to rescue Trip a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. That was just going to die. And I'm not going to sacrifice any more people. And you can see, and it's and it looks really genuine. I think that it plays this, it really plays it well, does Scott here. Yeah, and I mean, that's one of the things, I saw his panel at Star Trek Day, and they were asking him, and he talked about, like, you know, once the Zindi arc started, he felt like that's when he got a real handle on the character and when the storylines yeah. kicked in. And you can see that because, you know, Archer was pretty bland up until this point, but this well, really gives him an edge. You can understand why, because, like... And you can understand it from an actor's point of view. He's, he's obviously been sold this role, the one for this role of the captain, and he's before the Federation, so you're out on discovering things for the first time. It's all to be new. Yeah, and then he spent two seasons of doing what we've seen on TOS and yeah. TNG and Voyager, and to an extent on DS Nine, and it was just Monster of the Week, Planet of the Week, and the same old, same old. Yeah. So he wasn't, and you could understand why, as an actor, when you've been sold sold one thing, because I expected something different when the series started. Yeah, and, and, we've the, said, and we've said this many times, it's where Enterprise fell down. And they went out of the way to build it up as this is different, this is before Kirk, this is something you've never yeah. seen before, and it won't, but... Yeah, like the, adv- 
advert was 100 years BK. Yes. Yeah. It was before Kirk. Did it in the end, they had a poster and it was a picture of the Enterprise and it had a little speech bubble that said Kirk who. And yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you can definitely see in Bacula's well, performance that he's much more into this now. Yeah, uh, this is why it should have been the first two seasons. Yeah, yeah. Well, the original idea was it the first season was going to be completely set on Earth and it was going to be developing the project before the Enterprise even goes out. And the network shot it down and said, no, we need them out there in the first episode. I must, I, I must admit, you can... You can see why a full episode just on Earth of building the ship might have been a bit... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it would have been... What they could have done, they probably could have spent most of the pilot episode... Yeah. ...building the ship and and literally setting off right at the end of it. See, I don't know. I mean, it would have been a a very different style of show. But I wouldn't have minded, like, a season of, you know, all the politicking and the Vulcans are trying to stop them getting it made and yeah. Archer's got to go and assemble his crew and then this Klingon turns up and, you know, so I, I, I don't know. I, I'd have been interested to see what they did with it. Yeah. Um, but this is where the Temporal Cold War comes into this one then. So Daniels takes Archer to the Enterprise J. And we don't see the exterior of the Enterprise J, but we see schematics of it on the wall. Yeah, like there's been a lot of art done that since, haven't they, of how it would look. But yeah, I'm not a fan of the design at all. I, no, it's... I don't... No, I don't it's, like it's the, very strange. The nacelles are just like horrible, spindly little nacelles. Yeah. And I know that in, in reality, because this ship's meant to be so much bigger than anything we've ever seen before... Uh, that the nacelles would actually be huge, but they don't look in right. In comparison, they look yeah, tiny. proportionate to the rest of the ship. Um, but it's pretty cool that we get it. Then we find out, you know, this is where we get all this backstory to the sphere builders, and he says uh, Daniels tells him um, that there's even Zindi serving on the Enterprise J. So yeah, that's Zindi a part of Starfleet. And he even says that Klingons are part of Starfleet, so that's yeah, taking exactly. it from, from events that we saw in DS9 where the Klingons were getting closer with the Federation. Yeah, so yeah, I really like this sequence. And um, you have like Daniels is saying we need you need to make peace with the Zindi, um, but then again you get Archer, and you can understand where he's coming from. That he's like, no, it's too late. They're going to destroy my species and. You know, even if this is going to jeopardise 400 years in the future, I've got to protect my species now, so... Which which I can see his point here. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, um, Let's be honest, like, okay, we had Carpenter Street where Daniel sent them back in time to save humanity back back in the early noughties. Mm -hmm. But he hasn't done a great deal to actually show which faction he's on. No, that's true. I mean, I suppose in a way we are getting finally definite confirmation that Daniels is um, on the Federation side now, you know, if he's showing him the Enterprise J and everything. Yeah. So that's as close as we're getting or as we've got so far to an out and out confirmation of where, you know, what Daniels is doing, what his agenda is. So... If yeah, we... but is it too little, too late? Oh, it's definitely too little, too late. But 
at least if we if we take the Sullivan and Future guy out of the equation for now, yeah, at least we know we've got two factions. One of them's the Future Federation that wants to preserve the timeline, and the other one's the Sphere Builders who want to destroy the Federation. At least we've finally got clarity two, on what got, the conflict is. We've got two is. factions and what they're doing. Yeah, we know what's we know going on. We know there's other factions, but. We don't need to worry about them. No, we, we've got a central conflict now that we can focus on. And you get some great scenes as well, like when Archer gives Porthos to Dr. Phlox. You know, he's clearly sort of... Um, he's planning up, on not coming back. Yeah, he's tying up his loose ends. And he gives a really good speech where he says, you know, once this is done, I want you to go back to being explorers. That's what we're yeah. meant to be doing. That's what we're meant to be out here doing. And it, it's almost like he's willing to sacrifice himself so that they can go back to the life they should have had. You know, he, he doesn't want this to no, be he, what Starfleet well, is. Well, does anybody want what the, they have to do here? No, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, it, on a more sort of larger ideological thing, he's, it's almost like Archer's accepting, okay, I'm basically gonna give up my soul you know i'm gonna do bad things i'm gonna destroy this thing i'm gonna take lives but by doing that it means the federation can be better and staff yeah. can be better so i think in a way archer's kind of taking it all on himself here and deciding that he's gonna take one for the team you know i'm gonna be the bad guy yeah so that you can keep your morals and your yeah. do what we're supposed to do this- this has to be done. It's completely unavoidable. Yeah. But I can put it on my shoulders instead of it being on everybody. That's it. And it makes him, a, you know, a very sort of noble character. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, he's a much, as we said, a much, much stronger character in this one. Um, we get bits as well with T'Pol, and she goes to the ready room and cries, and then you get Trip trying to comfort her, but she pushes him away, and that's obviously tying into the... To Paul and Trip romance that was a big yeah, part of well, season three. Yeah, well, there's also part of um, earlier in this season they come across a Vulcan vessel. Yeah, that are sort of like embracing the emotions again, and one yeah, of them bites with Paul, and she's having con- problems uh, controlling her emotions. Yeah, and again, she's been, ta- she's been taking a chemical to help her, but part of the ship is damaged where that chemical is stored, so she's. Without the chemicals, so emotions are taking over. And again, this gives us... It makes T'Pol a more interesting character at this point in the story. Yeah, there's a look... The next episode really goes into yeah. T'Pol's emotions coming out. It's a shame that we're not doing it all. But... No, we'll probably come back and do the rest of the Zindi arc at some point. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it shows this new sort of attitude in season three that we're going to... We're going to get to the nub of what these characters are now and we're going to throw things at them that are going to throw them off balance and they're not they're not just going to be these like stock characters that we started with because Archer was pretty much your goody-two-shoes captain and they've managed to find a way of deconstructing that and making him more interesting. Yeah. And T'Pol was your aloof, unemotional Vulcan and they found a way of getting around that and making her interesting, so... They've done a really good job with the changes to the characters this season. One of the things, though, I will say is like, and it it ties in here because you get this scene with T'Pol and Archer where T'Pol says, you know, I don't want to see you die to Archer. 
Yeah. And I still think that, like, the relationship probably should have been Topol and Archer. I think they've got much better chemistry than Topol and Trip have. And <laughs> with Topol and Trip, it felt to me like they just went, right, we'll, we, you know, looking at the viewers, everyone thinks Topol's really hot. Everyone thinks Trip's really hot. Let's hook them two up so that people, you know, enjoy watching yeah. it. Whereas Archer to Paul feels much more real to me, but yeah, that the, there's an actual change. There's a reason why they'd have an emotional connection. Yeah, there just seems to be close. something something much deeper there. But um, anyway, it is what it is. Um, then we get the bit with Degra. So Archer basically, it, there's quite some nice effects where he takes the ship underwater and everything, and. Because this is Archer and he's always getting kidnapped, he ends up getting kidnapped again. Yeah, he gets captured instead of destroying the sphere. And he has this chat with Degra, and he's basically trying to convince the Zindi that they are being fooled by these sphere builders. And he dobs in the reptilians from Carpenter Street, and he almost... So crosses the line to being a bit racist here, Archer, where he's telling all these... And making all these digs about them being reptiles and all these reptile well, yeah, jokes uh, and everything. Is it, uh, I bet you didn't know my planet was once ruled by reptiles, did you? Yeah, no, it's like... You? Yeah, they all died out. They died, and they all had small <laughs> brains. and So, I mean, I know he's doing it to try and get a response, so it all makes sense, but yeah, he pushes it a fair bit there. Yeah, like, he it, it starts to put the seed of doubt in what Degra's doing. Cause That's he has, it. He's given a token by Daniels in the future. Yes, the yeah. And that's, uh, see, that's... Daniels being useful in the plot. He's providing something... Yeah. ...that has a bearing on what happens now and in later episodes. Yeah. So, yeah, well done, Daniels. I've got... I've, I've been to the future. I've seen this. I, it's hard to believe. I didn't believe it. But look, have this quantum dated and see what results you get. Yeah. And it, you know, it's again. Daniels is being directly impactful on the plot, which he rarely is. So yeah, much much better stuff. And we also see, as a result of this, the Zindi have these like internal problems, like politicking problems. So you've got the five different species, and yeah, they all have different. They have a same agenda, but different of yeah, agendas. Yeah, and it, basically, we're being set up here. The reptiles are the really bad ones. And the aquatics, nobody quite knows what what their game is, and the other ones could be persuaded. They're they're willing to hear it out, but the reptiles aren't. And yeah, it, and it all leads to an excellent battle sequence. You know, we often talk about like where they blow the effects money, and this one they go all out with it. Well, it, the 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 real nice thing about this is because it's CGI. You see the Enterprise get battered, and it's already got some damage, which is carried over. Yeah. But all this damage you see is there right until they get back, until they get yeah, back to exactly. Earth. Yeah, exactly. And there's a brilliant shot where we see like some of the hull getting stripped away, and we see people getting sucked out into space and everything. Yeah. Yeah, like it, it is. 
it is a battle sequence that we've not seen anything like this on Star Trek up to this point. Yeah. Um, because of what we can do. It's the difference of CGI. Absolutely. But even CGI aside, like, they go all out on the actual standing sets. Like, we see the bridge get absolutely trashed. And, oh, yeah. You know, and that's basically where we finish the episode. It's a great cliffhanger. Um, as we say, we're not going to deal with the immediate follow-up because we're focusing on the Temporal Cold War, so we're going to skip a few and go ahead to Zero Hour. But I really think... Yeah, this like, uh, here's the part here that... Um... Degrug uh, calls off the attack, though, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. So you do have that. Uh, Archer has put them seeds of doubt in him. Yeah, he's getting uh, through the to them. The reptiles weren't meant to attack yet anyway. They've taken off their own, own back to, uh, against the council. And so Degrug goes, no, you release them into our custody. See if the council can get a better answer from him. Yeah, because that's and, it. So... And you'll stop attacking the Enterprise. Yeah, it's it is setting up lots of different strands as to how this is all going to resolve, and you know we've got the temporal cold war involved. We've got all these different Zindi factions, and all of it's going to come to a head. So we're going to look at that finale next week. Yeah, we're going to move on then and look at this week's lower decks. Before we do that, though, um, we've got an advert to play for you for the upcoming podcast festival that we're going to be a part of if you don't if you don't want spoilers for lower decks have a listen to the advert and then pause until you've seen the latest episode and we'll see you on the other side of this advert the dr squeeze show and Streamyard are proud to present squeefest 2020 a 24-hour charity broadcast on facebook live and twitch raising money for the nhs charities together Saturday the 19th till Sunday the 20th of September, 2pm till 2pm, British Summertime. We will have interviews with Katie Manning from Dog 2, Alexander Siddig from Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Game of Thrones, from Spitting Image and Only Fools and Horses, Michael Fenton Stevens, Trevor Simon from Going Live and Live and Kicking, stand-up comedian Anuvad Powell from The Bugle Podcast, and Star Wars-themed Elvis Presley act Darth Elvis. Along with all this, we will be simulcasting with our radio partners at SW20 for an hour, playing games, bringing you panels, and hours of your favourite podcasts will be joining the fun. Please tune in on the Dr. Squee Show Facebook page or twitch.tv slash Dr. Squee and donate to the NHS at justgiving.com slash squeefest either now or on the day. We'll see you there. Yeah, so quite a lineup that he's managed to put together. Yeah, uh, we're going to be on uh, 10 p.m. till 11 p.m. Yeah, on the on Saturday. Saturday night. So we have a, a live episode of Retrek going out. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about. We're going to be looking at the the captains. So we're looking at original. Basically, we're looking at Pike and Kirk, but we're looking at the different versions of them. So we've got Shatner Pike versus Chris Pine Pike. And we've got Jeffrey Hunter, pa- uh, sorry, Kirk, Shatner and Pine Kirk, and Jeffrey Hunter's Pike versus Anson Mount's Pike. Uh, we've all, there's two others in there as well, though. There's four Pikes. That's true. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, you've got Bruce Greenwood and you've got the, I forget the guy's name from the Menagerie. Yeah, but I, I, um, Well, you know what I'm like with him. So. Well, he didn't have many lines, to be fair. So. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's going to be a fun conversation. Um, but you should also check out certainly the interview with Alexander Siddig that Squee's going to be doing. That's earlier check on out in the, the whole day. Thing. It's on two p.m. to 
Saturday till 2 p.m. Sunday, British Summer Time, which is uh, 3 p.m. till 3 p.m. UTC. There we go. So, yeah, check that out. But um, before we get to that, let's have a look at the latest Lower Decks then. So this one's called Terminal Provocations. And, yeah, it's. I thought it was another strong episode. It was just a good start. It, I could see other Star Trek episodes in it. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, what the main sort of thrust of it is basically we've got a holodeck malfunction episode. Which... But we've also got a... It's, there's not just a holodeck... There's a holodeck malfunction, but there's also sort of the, a, a bit of a standoff over some salvage rights going on. Yeah, and you've got a technology going wild episode that's not part of the holodeck. So, yeah, you've got... What's weird about this is it's a cartoon that's 26 minutes long, but you've got three plots there that in TNG, DS9, Voyager would have probably been 45 minutes each. Yeah. You know, you'd have had a whole... There'd probably been a B story, but you would have had a whole episode devoted to each of these things. Yeah, and to be fair with this whole episode... And I've said some of them previously felt rushed. This one didn't feel rushed. No, I thought they got the balance really good. But when you when you take a step back from it and break it down, you're like, well, there is a lot going on here. You know, there's oh, three yeah. plots. Yeah, like something that I found out, and I wonder if it's part of the problem that we had in the earlier episodes with the timing. Mm. And how, the, uh, especially with Milner and um, Bonner, when they were talking, how the lines almost fell over each other. Yeah. And I hadn't realised that all the recordings have been done in lockdown. Right, okay. And I found this out during Star Trek Day, so none of them have been together, so the, so it's probably been really awkward trying to put your lines together. Yeah, to sort of sync it up. And, and, yeah, and it's probably as they've gone on and they've got to, like, third and fourth episode, they're getting used to what they're doing and they've got better at it at yeah. actually delivering the lines in the right pace. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. I never thought of that, but you, you're right, yeah, if they've not got the other half of the conversation to yeah, play off uh, of. Yeah, like, it was, it's part of Star Trek Day. I don't know if you watched this, like, you, you probably I, did watch I the some of it, yeah. panel. But they were talking about how little was actually done when lockdown started. Yeah. And how they've got this... Sh- this first season out and completed so fast is actually unreal. They literally just had the the wireframe drawings done when lockdown started. Wow. So, yeah, that is a serious amount of work that's gone into it. <laughs> yeah, to get it out on time and, well, yeah. actually three months ahead of well, time. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, yeah, we've got the... As you say, there's this scavenger thing. Now the well, we get an opening as well. This oh yeah, this we well, yeah we get a great credit scene. Yeah, and it's this. They're all doing impressions of the warp engines and making different <laughs> noises and yeah. And Ransom comes around the corner and he thinks that well, what's going on here? Yeah. Something strange. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that one. I thought that was funny. Um, when we get to the scavengers, then the ship that they're actually trying to salvage. Um, that looks like a ship that they had in the animated series. Also and in uh, Charlie X. Cha- that's it, the one from Charlie X. Yeah, yeah. yeah the USS Santeri. Yeah. Which, but, which did get blown up. But it it looks like it's that design, but in the movie style, like it's got movie style nacelles. 
Yeah. So I'm imagining that in the same way that the original Enterprise got a refit, this is probably a ship of that class that's had a refit as well. Possibly. And, yeah, so you end up with this thing where they've got, like, a tug-of-war going on with the tractor beams, which is pretty funny. Yeah, uh, like, the guy who's trying... Uh, what's his name? Um, the, the the captain of the... What's it? The Doomkins? Doomkins? I can't remember, yeah. Go ahead. Doomkin is the name of the species, something like that. Right. But he, he's... Uh, it's been floating out here for 100 years, so it's... Uh, it's free to salvage. Yeah, so it's obviously right. some sort of spatial law that if you leave your trash out there for 100 years, that's it. Yeah, it's I suppose. I mean, it's up to who gets there first. Yeah, I mean, I suppose they would have to have some sort of salvage laws. Like, you know, we do uh, we do have, like, if for salvage in the ocean and things like that. So, yeah, there would have to be something. Yeah. Um, but obviously the dilemma is, well, we, we can't let them have the technology that's on the ship, even though it'd be well, 100 years out of date, but... Um, yeah, uh, over 100 years, uh, like, you get Tandy going on, she's having uh, something to eat with Ransom, Ransom sorry, with uh, Rutherford, yeah. and she goes, oh, it might be them flip-up communicators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's like obviously really out of date technology. So what is actually the big deal here? Yeah, because it's not like it's um, it can't be anything to do with the Prime Directive because this is a warp capable species with their own yeah. spaceship. So it's not that that's the problem. I don't know, but it gives us something to you know it gives us impetus for the episode. And the other thing is Tendi. We find out she's sort of scared of spacewalking because she didn't pass a test. And yeah, she got a B and she doesn't know why. Yeah, it just got given to her. Which, again, that's one of them things that Lower Decks has done really well, where it takes something that happens in real life, but we've never seen in Star Trek, like a little admin error. Yeah. And goes, yeah, well, you know, she got the B, she didn't question it, and now she doesn't know how to do it. And that yeah. leads, of course, to the holodeck, and we meet Badgie, which is Rutherford's creation. Um, um, I, I've decided I'm a big fan of Badgie. I, I am want to too. see more Badgie. I think Badgie's probably the best thing we've had in Lower Decks. I think it's... I'm, ex- I'm expecting to see some cosplaying of Badgie pretty soon. As yes. soon as we can go to conventions again. Yeah, I, I would th- expect I that. We might see some cosplays of Badgie. And I think we should as well. So, yeah, I love... I mean, the idea of him's great because... You, when you have computers, you do have these silly little icons that pop up and say, now we're going to do this. And Well, it's the Microsoft paper. Was it Microsoft or Google with the paperclip paper that popped up? And it reminds me as well of um, in Jurassic Park when they have that video that shows me when you have Mr. DNA oh, who comes yeah. up. So it reminds me a bit of that as well. And I like the fact that he has, like, long load times, so when they ask him a question, it takes him a while to load it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he says, like, are you sure this is what you wanted to... Which is pretty much what um, Alexa says if you don't phrase your questions right. Yeah. So it's, you know... I know some people have said, oh, you know, this is just silly, but it it is silly, but it's it's believably silly that someone yeah, would make... Yeah, it, it's, it's, um, it's something that we, have, that we do see. Yeah. And, it, and to be fair, it's something that we've got very used to. Yeah. That... We don't even question it being there. Like you say with Alexa, did you mean, or are you sure? Yeah. And we just shrug that off. Or if our com- 
if we're loading something and it goes slow on our computers, we might go, oh, but we sort of, oh, well, it, it's just... Yeah, yeah. This is just taking a bit to load. And, and, and we take it as normal. And now people are complaining that they're seeing this on TV yeah. and going, it's not believable. And people it are, is because it's all around us constantly. And, we're and, just conditioned that we don't notice anymore. Exactly. And another thing, you know, people are saying, oh, the idea of a talking combat is silly. But let's not forget that in Star Trek Insurrection, we had a bouncing combadge to help them sing karaoke. So, you know, we're not a million miles away from this sort yeah. of thing. And the other main plot line is you've got this new ensign, Fletcher, who's an old friend of Boimler. And he seems to be all things to all people. Like, he, he diffuses this situation with the cat doctor where she gets... Uh, Dr. Tanner. Yeah, she gets, like, face-planted into a food, but he comes and makes it better. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, do you realise how hard it is to get cheese out of fur using the sonic shower? Which is a very <laughs> so, good question. So, which sort of begs the question, because, like, cats do lick themselves, so is her species still use, doing showers and all that? Well, maybe, maybe they evolved. Uh, maybe she, and... she's stuck with a sonic shower, that's why she's going, do you realise how hard this is with a sonic shower? And yet... We've we've sort of had, with Star Trek since next gen. It like we only saw it in Voyager, the Sonic Shower, yeah, actually being used. But it's one of these things that has become that. No, this is the best way to clean. Well, yeah, maybe exactly. it isn't if you've actually got fur. No, probably not. Or she doesn't seem to think so. Anyway, yeah. um, and then yeah, they find out that the isolinear core's been stolen, and I like the idea that they blame Delta Shift. Yeah. And, you get this sort of standoff with Delta Shift, and it's almost like the characters that we see on Delta Shift are like counterparts to what we've got. Well, we're not meant to like Delta Shift anyway, because no. it's, uh, what, was it Captain Jellico? Yeah, it was Jellico who wanted a Delta Jellicoe Shift. Jellico introduced Delta Shift. Um, we don't like Delta Shift. No, Riker didn't want one. But, <laughs> yeah, you've got sort of, like, each person's got uh, a counterpart, so the main two... You've got, like, their version of Boimler and their version of Mariner, and then you've got a guy with glasses who's a little bit like Rutherford. Uh, so I like the sort of comedy ju- juxtaposition there. And But, it, of course, it turns out that Delta Shift didn't do it and they were all at this dance together. Yeah, the choo-choo. The choo-choo Which, dance. We don't actually see the dance. No. We... Is, but everyone obviously loves it. Uh, especially when they put in the extra chew at the end of it. Which, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And... Which, now, this reminded me of um, when uh, Penn and Teller appeared on... Oh, yeah, Rebo and Zooty. Yeah, and, and, and like, you're going, zoot, zoot. Yeah, Zooty, zoot, zoot. And you don't see what the joke is that's, if you're in it. That's one of my favourite bits in Babylon 5. It's, it's yeah. not, not the episode where they're actually in it. There's one where they mention them before. And Londo's just absolutely fuming about it. He's really angry and he's just going, zoot it, zoot, zoot. <laughs> what does it mean? Yeah, and he's talking <laughs> to um, Sheridan about it. And then he goes off and Sheridan go- goes like, zoot, zoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, but it, it did, it, it reminded me very much of that because yeah. you never actually see what the joke is towards this zoot, zoot. No. And it's, yeah, we don't know what this choo-choo dance is, but it's yeah. amazing, yeah. And um, meanwhile, like, the scavengers start launching the salvage at the ship. Yeah. Which, that's, yeah. a, that's a pretty good tactic, because... And the captain goes, I don't want a battle, and he goes, 
do- you're dodging. You're in a battle. Yeah. And the Bajoran guy was like, oh, please let me shoot them. I've been really good this month. Yeah, well, you do know who's playing the alien captain, don't you? No, no. It's uh, JG Hertzler. Is it? It's Matt, yeah, it's Matt. Oh, I didn't realise. They've given him the patch to match up with him. Oh, excellent. <laughs> I didn't pick up on that. That's brilliant. And, yeah, I mean, all of it sort of comes to a head, doesn't it? You also get the other thing is that the the Isolinear core, because Fletcher's used it to try and expand his brain, which is very much like what happens to Barclay in the nth degree. Yeah. But it all goes wrong, so instead it's kind of got... It's kind of got the bad stuff from him and it's going on a rampage. Yeah, so he, and him, so, him taking this car out is what's causing the... The shields to... The shields the shields aren't regenerating like they should do. So and it's the, what's causing... The, I think it's what causes the problem in the holodeck. Yeah, so it's nice that all the storylines link up that way. And you've got well, a... We haven't, we haven't even talked about what's going on in the holodeck. No, no, because that's <laughs> it. It's Badgie goes homicidal, basically, once the once the safeties go down. And again, like people have said, oh, this is silly, uh, a big combadge hunting them down. But it's like, well, we had an episode of TNG where the Enterprise tried to come to life in the in the holodeck. And yeah, was... we've had it... Uh... Like with Moriarty, there's a fistful of datas. Exactly. So this is no sillier than that. Um, it the same happened. Didn't it happen in Fairhaven as well on Voyager? Oh god, I've tried to block out Fairhaven. Um, I but know. I'm sure it been there with that James Bond one in um, DS9. Yeah. So you know this is not unprecedented at all. And yeah, I love psychotic Badgie how he's hunting them. And yeah, and it's he, ripping apart the holodeck cap characters yeah and they go they go and hide in a bajoran thing and then they go uh, to the icy bit and when they're in the bajoran temple and badgie's getting knackered going up the stairs she's like come on badgie you can do it no what am i doing <laughs> and then it ends with that thing where rutherford basically has to snap his neck yeah. <laughs> it's yeah really yeah. really funny Call, calling him fat calling him son yeah and then Badgie's dying words, he says, like, diplomatic immunity, which <laughs> I can only assume is a reference to Lethal Weapon 2. I don't know why it's in there, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just such a weird, abstract thing to put in there. And Boimler and Mariner manage to eject the core into space, and that attacks the scavenger ship and saves the day. So it all they all sort of tie into each other and wrap yeah, up nicely. And, and like they give all the credit to Fletcher. Yeah, to get rid of him basically. Yeah. He gets transferred to Riker. Yeah, which and then we find out he gets fired, which I'm not surprised Riker fired him. No. Because Riker, I imagine, runs a bit of a tighter ship than the Cerritos. Yeah, well you also you also sort of it's implied quite a lot lot through that. The lower decks have been covering for how bad he is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They the know what he's like, but they cover, the cover for him. And they have this thing of lower decks stick together, but then they question it at the end. They're like, well, no, we'll stick together, but we're not going to cover yeah. for guys like that anymore. <laughs> yeah, again, really, really good episode. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I There's did. A lot, a lot happening, but the pay... The pace feels better now. Yeah, like it's I much said, better. I think part of, the, part of the early problem 
was how they were talking with each other. Yeah. Almost on top of each other. And until I watched Star Trek Day in that and the Lower Decks panel, I didn't realise that they'd all been in isolation separate. I where mean, Jack Wig uh, showed and he, he did all his recordings inside a cupboard. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's... Because, <laughs> obviously, his house isn't geared up for doing sound. No, that's so he's had it. He's but... had to do what he... They've all had to do what they could. But that's it. They, they, they've got... I mean, we obviously, we record ours separately as well, but... Um, they've got better post-production than we have, so that's why their sound <laughs> is much clearer than us. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's not uncommon with animation that you do record your lines on your own. Um, yeah, but you but, probably have the animation completed as, yes, as exactly. well. Yes, exactly. It sounds like they were doing the animation while they were recording. and That's it. It, it sounds like this season has been... The rest, it sounds like, the, and I think that's maybe where some of these jokes that we've had previously, where they've gone on about working time and being asked to do more yeah, and all exactly, that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's that they've been really pushed on the first season. Yeah, the they have. They've gone, I mean, we need, it's a lot, like, they've gone into isolation, so realistically they probably should have had an extra three, maybe six months to get the season ready. Yeah, that's it. And, and then, instead CBS have gone, right, you're in isolation. We want it three months earlier. <laughs> yeah, it's had to step up and to allow Discovery to get its post-production done. Yeah. Um, so, no, I mean, I think after the first couple of episodes, it has settled into its own thing now. And as yeah, we it, said... It, it, it's definitely... A, I don't care what some of the haters are saying. It's a Star Trek series, series through oh, and through. Oh, absolutely. And I think Badgie is a new icon of Star Trek now, so... Yeah, I, like, I'll, I'll, I'd like to see Badgie again. I don't want to see Badgie next week. No, exactly. Or maybe, or maybe the week after, but I'd like to see, even if it's in season two, he comes back again. Yeah, and there is that, that little little scene right at the end with Badgie, like where they reboot him, and he says, I'll be here, I'm always here. And it's almost like a touch of sadness. Um, you know, it's oh, t- I thought it was a bit of evilness. Maybe like it, evil. still remembered being the evil badger. It could be, but yeah, I, I mean, the, that's that's what I got from that. That it was still evil badger, really. See, I, I yeah, I can see that, and I I also thought you know it's touching on this idea of you know we've had these holodeck characters before, like Moriarty, who pretty much are alive. Uh, but can't come out of the holodeck, you know. So I felt a little bit sorry for Badgie, but but yeah, yeah maybe the doctor, the doctor in Voyager for the first couple yeah, of seasons. Yeah, exactly. So stuck in sick bay of the holodeck. Well, maybe maybe Badgie will become one of the leaders of the holographic species, you know, and he, he could lead all these doctors who clean out the toilets and stuff. <laughs> you never know. We could have a, a whole Badgie spin-off show, but. Um, yeah, I want to see Badgie cosplay. I want to see Badgie key rings, Badgie toys, yeah. Badgie stuffed pillows. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that about does us for this one then. So yeah. we'll be back um, next week where we're going well, to look we'll, actually, at... we'll be back on Saturday. Um, is it this Saturday or next it's Saturday? This Sat- it's this Saturday. Oh, so it is, yeah. So, so yeah. we'll actually be back on, on Saturday in a few days' time. Yeah, we'll, we'll live. Be... On the Doctor Squeeze show. Yeah. At 10pm till 11pm. 10pm till 11pm, talking about the captains. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, we're 
at RetrekPod on Twitter. You can email us, RetrekPod at gmail.com, or you can join us on Facebook and have a chat about it. Let us know what you thought about Badgie. Let us know what you think about Kirk and Pike. And that's what we're going to be talking about on Saturday on the Doctor Squeeze show. Um, but thanks for trekking with us this time, and we'll see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye.